Today in Flex in the City, we talk to Elaine Chim, Global Head of Close Products for Apex Group, as she reflects on how financial services could really benefit from better understanding the power of perspectives, different cultures, and encouraging staff mobility. All that happening right now in Flex and the City. Good afternoon. This is Rachel Treese for Flex and the City. And I'm delighted uh, this afternoon to be talking to Elaine Chim. She is the Global Head of Close Products for Apex Group. She's with us all the way from New York. Fantastic place to be, Elaine. Welcome to Flex and the City. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. Absolutely. A great pleasure. And Flex in the City gets its name, doesn't it, of course, from the great Sex in the City, <laughs> which was hosted in New York many years ago, one of my favourite programmes of, of all time. So love to hear a little bit, Elaine, about you and, and your background, because I know, and I'm very, very curious, you were raised in Scotland, in Glasgow. That's correct. Yes. So so a bit about my background. Um, I was born in Glasgow, Scotland, to immigrant parents who moved to the UK from Hong Kong in the 80s. So I'm one of five kids. So a pretty classic immigrant story, hardworking mum and dad, a lot of focus on education growing up. Um, so that was drummed mm. constantly into us. I decided really early on that I wanted to become an accountant, true fact. Yeah. Um, and yep. So I went to university locally at Glasgow Uni and I studied accounting and finance. After graduating, I went off to London, trained in audit, qualified as a chartered accountant with one of the big firms. I worked in banking for a while in Canary Wharf for a few years. Wow. I worked for a London-based asset manager in the city for a few years. Uh, so working in London for about eight years, all in financial services, mostly doing accounting. I moved to the States in 2012 and it was here where private equity industry discovered me, as I like to put it. Really fell in love with the industry. My first job was for JP Morgan. Uh, I was hired Mm -hmm. as a VP to run a private equity team with next to zero private equity experience. So talk about New York City being a place of opportunity. Uh, I really had to learn really quickly and I did it and it paid off because I've been doing that for the past 10 years and it's really made my career here in New York. At JP Morgan, I was there for five years. I was subsequently recruited by Deutsche Bank to run their America's Fund Administration team, which I did for a couple of years before uh, the business business segment at Deutsche was acquired by Apex Group two years later. Uh, so that Apex is where, I, where I'm currently working. Uh, for the benefit of your listeners, Apex Group is a global financial services provider uh, and fintech firm. We support oh. our clients through the entire life cycle um, of capital activity, starting with um, facilitating asset raising uh, into the establishment and administration of their funds and investment structures. Uh, we also provide uh, regulatory and ESG services. Uh, so we have the widest uh, available range of advisory, uh, technology, operations, cap markets, regulatory and banking products. Uh, and really our goal is to provide uh, the single source solution for our clients. 
So today we, we service around 3 trillion of alternative assets. We have 12,000 people plus in the organization wow. uh, across 94 locations in 40 countries. And it's a growing business. A lot of people ask me what closed products is. So I'm mm. the global head of closed products. Um, so in a nutshell, my job is to innovate and develop products for our closed end clients. So that's covering clients in private equity, private debt and real assets. Uh, I'm based in Europe. I've been at Apex for five years. Fantastic. So Apex, this global firm with with 12,000 people, and you're probably one of the people, Elaine, that's probably the most international and and had the most exposure to sort of different cultural differences. And that will be part of the Apex world as well. So I'm curious, you know, coming from your, you know, your Asian, Asian culture, living and working in Scotland, which has a different culture, I'd say, from from London and England, has a different culture from, from New York. So what's your sort of experience having had that sort of incredible cultural exposure? It's quite funny, this one. Um, I remember when I first started um, in New York City, my first job, within probably a couple of weeks of starting that first job, the whole team, I think I had six people at the time, bar one person handed in their resignation. And I remember thinking, wow, was it something I said? I've only been here for a week or two and being quite shocked at the timing and mm. the fact that the whole team nearly turned over. It wasn't until several months, maybe even years later, that I realized that it's more a symptom of the industry, right? So New York City, mm. all the fund managers are here. There's a lot of funds here, fund admin players here. So there's just a lot of competition for good talent. And so it was really more a case of me joining probably at the wrong time, at the wrong season, but it was less a reflection of probably myself, I would like to think, than really because it was the nature of the industry. If I compare that to my whole working experience in the UK, I don't remember one person ever either quitting or resigning under under my leadership. So so I did take it quite personally for a while, I have to say, but I think that's where the, the cultural difference is. It's really around how competitive the, the market is. Uh, and it's really around the working practices, right? So typically in the UK, there's a three-month notice period as opposed to mm. uh, the US, which is typically less. So getting around those cultures, taking a less personal viewpoint on uh, on these types of things, uh, I think really helped me settle in the US. Absolutely. And so out of curiosity, when, let's say, for example, there was a European leader in financial services and they were needing to manage US jurisdictions and Asian jurisdictions, do they need to lead in a different way or is it the same? I think it depends on the team, right? I think mm. um, certain cultures have certain inherent characteristics that I think we need to be mindful of as leaders. So, for example, take Asian. I'm, I'm from an Asian background. I think typically the Asian culture, people are typically, and I'm generalizing a little bit, are typically mm. a little less vocal, perhaps, uh, mm-hmm. and more uh, happy to take a back seat. And that can be confused with perhaps lack of leadership skills, which is absolutely not the case. It's just that they're culturally more inclined to be less vocal mm. uh, and more respectful of hierarchy, right? So I think as leaders and managers or anybody in managerial positions, I think they have to understand cultures uh, better because sometimes you can make the wrong decisions simply by not appreciating that other people are different and um, have certain characteristics that are not what you perceive to be the norm. So I think it's extremely important, particularly in global organizations where you absolutely have to deal with colleagues across different jobs 
geography to have that cultural appreciation to make sure that you're making the right decisions for the people. Absolutely. And as a female leader in, in financial services, have you have you noticed a shift in the times from when you started your career to to where we are now? Is it is it shifting? Is it moving? You know, what, what's your observations, Elaine? I think there's certainly a lot of effort uh, in the past, I would say, 10 years or so to ensure that there's more uh, balance in the workplace. Personally, in my career, I've had to deal with some setbacks, mostly early on in my career. So, for example, being passed for promotion for a reason that didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And these setbacks are career-defining moments that stick with you. And I think it could be because I was a female or it could simply be because I had not established the right skills at that point in time to even fight for what I think I deserved at the time. I generally, you know, as I progressed up the chain, don't focus on the male-female narrative. Um, And Mm. I always tell people when I'm asked this question to really focus on what you can control, which is the core technical sector foundation and getting the soft skills that you need to progress and really trying to be consistent in the way you execute and be reliable. Because these are the things that you can control. Um, some of the other factors you may not be able to. And really what you're trying to do is really build your your technical toolkit, I call it, to mitigate any reasons for you not to get promoted or to progress. I think personally, I've been really fortunate in my career that I've been looked at managers who I've worked for have really looked out for me in terms of my career development and really taught me to focus on things that matter, which is really to center around the the right technical foundation, work on the Mm -hmm. interpersonal skills, work on consistency, uh, and really be provided the opportunities and actively encouraged to work on the things that are outside of my comfort zone. Uh, And I think that's really equipped me with the tools and the skills to to progress career-wise. And as a manager myself and leader myself, I, I try to do that for the team, for my team, certainly. But in terms of people I mentor, people who reach out to me, I I try to say the same thing. Very good. And is there anyone, it sounds like you've had some great mentors and and leaders over your own career. Is there anyone that that has really, really, really stood out or any world leader that's really stood out and inspired you, Elaine, over your own career? I have to say uh, Peter Hughes, our founder and CEO at Apex Group, is hugely inspiring to me. I would say that, but I don't have to say that. <laughs> he he founded the business 20 years ago, uh, yeah. and the business was built on foundations of entrepreneurial spirit and, and really being unafraid to do things differently and challenging the norm. So, for example, Apex Group started out as a fund administrator, and that's all that they, they did at the time. But today we offer so much more than fund administration, as I mentioned before, Uh, and that's really only possible as a result of dedication, commitment and really investing in talent. Uh, And he built the business from zero to now three trillion in assets on the administration. And he's still very focused on the business, very involved uh, and constantly challenging his management team and constantly challenging and looking for ways to service our clients better uh, and is not complacent at all. So I think that is hugely valuable as an organization to have somebody like that to look up to and be inspired by. Absolutely. Dedication, commitment and discipline, I think, are the, you know, the words that I'm hearing from you, Elaine, and concur with that more. And, and, and your own leadership style. If you were to give me three words that would describe your own leadership style, what would they be? I think 
being collaborative and working on your communication. Um, I think Apex, just to use Apex as an example, obviously, we have done a lot of M&A activity in the past five years since I've been here. And a lot of the times when you're acquiring a business, it's about integrating people, technology, and importantly, cultures. And so being an effective communicator and an effective collaborator is hugely important generally, but during a time when you're trying to integrate business, it becomes vital, right? So that people coming into the organization is not confused. There's no mystery around uh, reporting lines and how we do things. So being very transparent and in the way you communicate is, is vitally important. I think also that the human element is also really important as well as a leader. What I mean by that is, you know, you know, I myself, I know that, you know, I have two young kids at home and I don't often get to spend much time with them. So it's really important for me to to have empathy with my team to ensure that they also have work-life balance and that they're spending time with their family because I know that balancing work life and personal life is it's very integrated. So if you don't have that balance, I think it does impact your work performance. So definitely as a leader, I try to bring that human element back to back to the forefront. Absolutely. So talking about humans and, and, and children, we just discussed uh, before we went on to record that I've got a teenager upset who's busy during her school holidays watching a bit of Brooklyn Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which we all um, had a little giggle about. How would you attract? I mean, she wants to go to university to study economics how would you attract somebody, you know, who's come out of university as I once had with somebody who's got a first class degree in economics? How would you attract them to this industry, Elaine? What would you say to them? I think it's important to understand that in this generation, I mean, we're, we're living in, in a time where there's a lot of influences, right? There's a lot mm-hmm. of focus on social media. And so it's really important to understand what drives the motivation of perhaps a newer generation and appreciating that that could be different from what important, say, five, ten years ago. Yeah. Certainly when I entered the workplace, I remember being just super grateful of having that first training contract uh, to do audit. And it was super important for me to get that training contract and, and do well and be grateful. I'm not suggesting for a minute that the new generation is less grateful. I, I am saying, though, that in terms of what drives them and what motivates them could be different. And I think as an organization, particularly any organization that is trying to attract the best talent and as a global organization there needs to be an appreciation of what those motivations are and it could be you know focus on ESG initiatives it could be things that go beyond what you typically expect of a global organization yeah I think I think you're absolutely right and it's certainly what I hear all around me and, and having a daughter that they have a totally different perspective on things don't they exactly exactly right so you have a one-year-old and a four-year-old. So I'm sure that they've been the best coaches ever for, for you in your own career. What was your learning from that journey of, of having children and, and being a working parent, would you say, Elaine? I think it's a constant balancing act, right? So no one can teach you in a textbook of how to handle your home life and your work life. And every household is different. So it's really up to you to figure out your priorities. And I would say as a working mom, it, it's a constant re, you know, juggling and reshifting of priorities. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. My four-year-old, interestingly, quite recently have started asking me questions like, well, mommy, you're not 
you know, you're not joining us for dinner sometimes. Why is that? Uh, and that's quite challenging to answer as a mom. Um, so what I try to do is I have to make sure that, you know, during the weekends that I'm not working in so far as possible so that I'm as present for them as a parent uh, as possible. During the weekday, there's certainly more fluidity and mm. changes of plan. You know, I've certainly missed out on school events, for example, because certain things have taken priority. Uh, but I just make sure as a, as a mom, as a working parent, that, you know, just because I can make one event, that I try to make up for something else uh, so that they know that I'm as present as I can be as a parent. Absolutely. And if there was some advice that you could give to to working parents within the financial services industry, what would that be, Elaine? I would say don't be so harsh on yourself, right? Everybody's trying to do their best as a parent. I I remember somebody, uh, a girlfriend of mine who is also in financial services, telling me this as a story. She has uh, older kids. Your kids actually remember and probably you know while you think it's you're not spending time with them right now they actually see it as a positive potentially when they're growing up right they they mm. learn from what you don't see which is you know mom is working really really hard and they learn from that experience as well so don't be so harsh on yourself I, I I think you're trying to do your best right and financial services is is notoriously unforgiving in terms of work-life balance mm. that's something that I I wish we can change somehow but it's really again a the nature of the industry does demand demand work commitment and time commitment so try to balance as best you can absolutely and and so so outside of financial services which is challenging enough as it is and 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 being a great mum mum is there any other time for anything else elaine (laughs) Um, i wish there is but um i have to say that you know being a brit in the u.s um there's always something that I'm discovering, right? I've been in, in the US for more than 10 years, but I, I just love traveling um, either outside of the US or even within the US, discovering, you know, we talked about culture differences previously, but what I realized is that in the US, because it's such a big place, there's always different cultures uh, across different state lines even. So for me, it's about traveling, it's about spending time with my kids and really trying to balance all of that while also you know, doing a, a job that requires a lot of time commitment. Yeah. And so I think my my last question to you, Elaine, is what could financial services learn from harnessing more of these different perspectives, these different cultures, that diversity of thought in many, many ways is what culture is all, all about. What do you think financial services could learn to, to harness that more? I think it's a couple of things. I think it's mostly centered around people and technology. I think financial services, uh, and again, I might be generalizing, but based on my experience, financial services tend to be a little bit more bureaucratic when you're, especially when you're talking about uh, some of the bigger banks. And so I think the focus on people around, say, mobility programs is really important, right? Um, Making sure people have the ability to move. I mean, these are global organizations. They should have these programs that promote movement across teams, across different geographies, and getting people to appreciate different cultures through actually moving people. I think a lot of banks and financial services companies do have these programs, but perhaps not executed as well as it can be. I also touch on the fact that, you know, different groups of people have different cultural requirements and uh, it's important for us to raise awareness that different countries have different cultural characteristics. So I yeah. think, again, by promoting mobility, 
that would uh, enhance the, the cultural awareness point. I just want to touch on technology as well, right? As a financial mm. services industry service provider, technology is so important as well. So mm. I think we need to focus on things like removing emails as a way to communicate, right? That's a very basic way to communicate. We need to have a way to uh, eradicate that if possible, uh, particularly in a climate where there's cyber security concerns, etc. So um, there's a lot we can do there in that space. I would say people in technology are probably the two key areas that are have the most opportunity to change in this industry. Fantastic. People, technology and travel. I think uh, it's a beautiful way to to conclude our podcast. Elaine Chen, thank you so much for being with us this afternoon on Flex in the City. Thank you so much. Just listen to Flex in the City. Catch us on our next episode.